Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome back into another edition of the Fourth Man Podcast. I'm your host, Anthony, as always, and appreciate everyone who's tuning in to this episode. Today, we have a special guest on the show, a rare instance where we have an assistant coach on the show and CJ Ashford of Three-Headed Monsters. So we're going to get into that. we got a couple of news updates that we have to tell everyone about as this is kind of a monthly occurring show here at the moment, as we always do every offseason. But uh, before we get into the interview with CJ, as well as some of the news, I want to make sure that everyone's following on social media. Guys, if you're fans of the big three right now, uh, but you don't necessarily have, know the best way to keep up with it without having to actually go out of your way and do so, allow me to do that for you. The best way to do so is just by following the page at 4th Man Pod, 4th Man Pod, and I'll make sure to update you guys on any kind of player transactions, news, updates, breaking news, anything like that. Um, you can do so and follow on Twitter or X, Instagram, uh, TikTok, you name it, uh, as well as you can also follow and as well as watch interviews of of the show on YouTube at youtube.com slash fourth man pod. Make sure you hit that subscribe and notification bell so you know when every episode comes out as they're coming out in monthly occurrences currently, but as the calendar year flips, they will be a little bit more frequent. And as we can tell... It's been a little while since I've been on the show because I'm struggling to deliver all that and <laughs> in a straightforward fashion. But as you can also probably tell, is that we're trying to make some changes heading into the 2024 year. We got a little bit of a new setup that you know I'm I'm particularly proud of. I've been working on it for a little while, doing a couple other things behind the scenes, but trying to make this a little bit look a little bit better from a visual perspective. Trying to make the audio quality sound a little bit better. Um, and I've been saying this for a long time as the league grows. I want to continue to make sure that I'm doing my best to grow the quality of the show as well. Doing a little bit on probably more of a smaller budget than the big three, but we're making vast improvements, I would say. So first time trying this out, would love any kind of feedback, what everyone thinks. Uh, if you feel like I should add anything, subtract anything, I know I got a couple of signs going on back here. So, you know, we can maybe switch this out a little bit, but would love your feedback as well as the audio quality, the video quality. Let me know if you think it's better. <laughs> Let me know if you think it's worse. And always appreciate any kind of feedback where you you know, you know might think it could be a little bit better here or there. I'm, I'm happy for any constructive criticism. But enough about me. Again, everyone, uh, thanks everyone for tuning into the show. What I want to talk to you guys about today before we get into the interview with CJ is a couple of things. First off, if you haven't heard, if, you, if you're not already following on social media and you're tuning into the show for the first time, Make sure you go and check out Ghostballers Darnell Jackson Darnell Jackson's new autobiography. So Darnell actually just released an autobiography called Behind the Smile, and you can find DJ's book on Amazon, either the hard copy, the paperback, or the audiobook. So I'll make sure to link the description below. But kind of just uh, you know an autobiography, you know the story about his life and how he made it you know, his journey to the NBA and ultimately playing in the big three and things like that. I um, think it's pretty dope when anyone writes a book, but especially cool 
because uh, I know how passionate DJ is just ha from having a few conversations I've had with him, how passionate he is um, and whatever endeavor he's working on, whether it's coaching, whether it's playing, whether it's writing this book. And I'm sure that's going to reflect as well. Um, I'm actually going to pick up my copy here pretty soon and give it a deep dive. But uh, I got to make sure that I'm committed to reading first before I do that. I don't just want it to be something that's on the shelf. I actually want to, you know, get a deeper insight into his book. So, and I personally love nonfiction books, just more realistic, realistic things. So, um, I'm going to pick up mine. You should definitely pick up yours. If you're interested, honestly, a journey to the NBA, so many different journeys. So going to be cool either way you hear about it. But again, I'll link that description below. You can find it on Amazon though. It's called behind the smile. And if you're part of the big three community, make sure you support, you know, all these guys have different endeavors and latter stages of their career. And, you know, just trying to support the guys any way we can. So, again, Darnell Jackson from Ghost Bellers, autobiography, Behind the Smile, description to the book. Uh, our link is in the description below, and that will be to the book. So, yeah. The other thing I want to touch on is, if you haven't heard, is that Ice Cube and the Nate, Naismith Hall of Fame actually partnered up recently to create the Ice Cube Impact Award. That's correct, right? Just for confirmation, Ice Cube Impact Award. So pretty cool. Um, you know, they teamed up to create a first of its kind award for pretty much going to be awarded to people um, on a yearly basis for people that have, you know, pretty straightforward an impact on the game of basketball in different ways. Uh, and so, you know, for Ice Cube, obviously creating the big three, what he's done, you know, for the sport across not only creating the league, but, you know, just keeping alive and what he's done for the different players that have played in the NBA, you know, obviously a huge honor. Um, he even said, he even said it himself recently uh, came out on video and said it, which is kind of rare for him to come out unless it's something serious uh, for him to come out on video and kind of acknowledge all the praise and, you know, his gratitude for getting the award and, you know, being inducted to the basketball hall of fame. So big shout out to the boss ice cube. Well-deserved. You've definitely made a special impact on this show and made a huge impact on the, the game of basketball to players, to fans, and to all of us who are very bored in the summer that are big hoops heads. So always appreciate you, Ice Cube. Excited to see who's going to be, you know, the first one to get the award not not named Ice Cube. You know, that's going to be really interesting to see and just the different impact that they'll have. So, um you know, kudos to the Naismith Hall of Fame for recognizing it and what Ice Cube's done for the game. And again, big congrats to Ice Cube. I think that's pretty cool. And if you're in the Naismith Hall of Fame, maybe something you can see. And if you stop by, uh, stop by there. I don't know where it'll be in there. I don't know where it'll be in the museum, but will be cool to see a little bit of Big Three history in the Naismith Basketball Hall of Fame. I mean, for now at least. We'll see if anything comes about. But. Other than that, not a ton that's gone on. You know, we're wrapping up to the end of the year. So, and this is episodes coming out, obviously, after Thanksgiving. So, hope everyone had a good Thanksgiving. Um, as a kind of a Christmas gift from me to the audience, for people that do enjoy the show, hopefully have a couple more interviews to where, you know, that can be released before 2024 hits. And then, you know, things will really ramp up. But again, working on a lot of things behind the scenes and continuing to try to just add and show appreciation for the league itself on social media. So make sure you're following that side. So without further ado, um, again, make sure you're following on social media at fourth man pod subscribed on YouTube. I want to give a big shout out to everyone at believe for 
giving us the opportunity to talk big three basketball and, you know, providing us with the platform. So again, without further ado, let's get to our interview with three headed monsters, assistant coach, CJ Ashford. So today on the show, we have a little bit of a rare instance today where we get to welcome on a coach, an assistant coach for that matter. And today we're welcoming on assistant coach for three-headed monsters, CJ Ashford. Again, CJ, appreciate the time and welcome to the show. Man, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah, hundred percent. I want to start the conversation this way because I do find it interesting that the first time that we spoke or the first time I actually reached, kind of spoke to you, I know that I had either commented on something that was in regards to my post or it was in regards to the big three posts. And you had said something to me. I can't exactly remember exactly what you said verbatim, but you had said something to me in the comment. And I was like, oh man, like, you know, this was pretty early in the fourth man day. So I was like, this is like some kind of troll. He's messing with me. <laughs> um, and I remember you mentioned like, I think it was something on Mahmoud. And so you mentioned like, you know, I'm his cousin and stuff like that. I was like, oh, okay, okay. Like that was definitely on the wrong foot. I definitely didn't mean to get off on that. Now I feel like we, you know, we've chatted a few times. I've met you in person a couple of times. So I feel like I never gave you the proper apology there, but I'm glad that uh, everything flipped oh, over. Oh, no, the man. Right foot there. It, it, was, it, was, it was all in fun, man. You know, I just, you know, I, I repost a lot and see what people are thinking and saying and stuff like that. And, you know, you know, sometimes if I know the person, I'll say something, you know, hey, that was wrong. You got to do this. If I don't know the person, I'll just, you know, it is what it is. Yeah, well, for you, it's really interesting because your insight, I mean, you've been a part of this league for every single season. I never know right. if it's like six years or seven years because, of, you know, the whole gap year, essentially, you know, you've had insight, you've been on the same team, which not a lot of people can say. So your insight is really interesting because you have a ton of perspective on how this league has grown, you know, what's happened over time. You've had a lot of success within your team. Um, you know, you've seen the down parts, not, not so many times, but this year was definitely an exception to it. But I right. want to get a little bit of background on you. So I mentioned that you were cousin with Mahmoud. Obviously, you were a coach part of his team. But also, you've, you've been a coach for a long time, correct? Well, well, how I started was, you know, with the with I coached here locally in, in Atlanta area. I actually started out with my older son. He's twenty. He's twenty nine now. Mm. So I actually coached his, his middle school team to a championship, and that's how everything got started to me. So that's how long ago it's been. And then from there, it was a lot of tr basketball training. So, like, me and, me and Mahmoud, you know, we started actually training, like, high schoolers back, I want to say, 15 years ago. And our first ever person that we trained together was Mario West of the Atlanta Hawks. And, you know, we trained, Mar we trained Mario for a whole, for a whole offseason, and he ended up getting picked up by the back then New Jersey Nets. And so when we we did Mario West, we were like, man, you know, this is good. We, we, we got some good feedback with Mario and stuff like that. Our next client that we had was Malcolm Brogdon. And we got, we actually started training him his freshman year of high school. And so he would want to train three or four days a week with us. And he came to every single training, didn't miss a training session with us, started training and then we had like Dennis Smith Jr. and then went on to have like other players such as Spencer Dinwiddie, uh, Emmanuel Quickly, Precious Achua, um, DJ Augustine, uh, Victor Oliver Depot. So oh, that's how I got out. And while we were training, uh, yeah, while we were training, 
I had caught wind of, you know, the big three. You know, they were saying, that, hey, there's a league coming out called the big three. And Ice Cube's going to, you know, he's going to he's going to bring it to light. And it's going to be a whole bunch of, you know, just old ex-NBA players. And so um, I was in California at the time. Flew back into Atlanta to get Mark Mood to tell him about it and everything and, and continue doing some training because he was finishing up his overseas basketball. He was still playing overseas in Japan. And so I asked him, I said, I, I caught him at the gym and said, hey, man, there's this league coming out called the Big Three. He was like, what is that? And, um, you know, I told him about it. And he was like, well, you know, let me see some paperwork on it. Let me see how it is. And, and let's, you know, let's see. And I got in contact with, I believe the first person I contacted was Mike Bibby. And um, Bibby gave me Jeff's number. And I left Jeff a, a, a message, uh, left him a voicemail, let me know who I was and, and that Mahmoud abdul Rauf was interested in this big three league. He sent me over to um, Mr. Connolly, which was the first person that was in charge of basketball operations back in 2017, Joe Connolly. And from there, um, you know, we, we went on to the combine in Vegas in 2017. So leading up to that combine, we pretty much worked out two a days every single day because Mahmoud was on the older side yeah. of his basketball career. He was in his mid forties when the big three started. And so we just wanted to make sure he was like ready as far as conditioning and running and, and shooting and, and stuff like that. And, you know, we, we worked out, you know, like I said, two a days and we got to Vegas and I had no doubt in my mind that he was going to make a team. And, um, you know, they had the combine and everything. And actually, man, I actually conducted some of the drills in the first big three combine in Vegas. Oh, wow. In 2017. Yeah. Um, and so we went on to the draft, which was that following, I want to say it was that following night in Vegas. And, um, you know, we're sitting right, I'm sitting right there, like in the second row. And I had not met like GP or Rashard Lewis and them, like, you know, prior to that, the, going to Vegas. Um, but we're all sitting right there in, in, in the first two rows and they're they're going down to, you know, picking their squads and everything. And um, nobody was picking them. And I'm like, wow, I, you know, I can't believe this. You know, nobody's <laughs> it's like everybody. Was, it's like everybody were picking their they were picking their friends. That's what it seemed like. Yeah. And um, and so it was down to like the last pick of the draft, which the three headed monsters had the last pick. And I believe they're going to they're going to pick Eddie Robinson. And like I said, we were all talking right there in the, in the second row, me, GP, Richard. It was a couple of players over there by us. We we're all talking right there. And um, Jason Williams was the team captain at the time, but he didn't make it to the draft. I think he had that, like a stomach virus or something. So he was at the hotel. So they were talking to him on the cell phone as far as who to pick. And when they made the pick for Eddie Robinson, they had already gave it to the commissioner at the time, which was uh, Roger Mason. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I, uh, I got GP and I was like, hey, GP, I was like, I don't think that's a good pick. I think you guys should pick Mahmoud. Um, and the reason I told him the reasons why I said, the team you guys have, you will double off anybody, leave Mahmoud open. You won't be able to do it. He'll knock it down 90, 95% of the time. It's, it's, it's a bucket. And, and GP got with Rash, Rashard Lewis and, and, and pretty much reiterated the same thing I said to him. And they pulled the pick back of Eddie Robinson and they picked Mahmoud Abdul Rose. Wow. And then the funny thing about the whole thing, we had the first game in big in the big three history in 2017 at the Barclays mm -hmm. in Brooklyn. 
And Jason Williams, which is our starting point guard at the time, goes down. I believe he yep. towards ACL. Very late that and game, so, yeah. Right, right. And so it was like, wow, look at this. You know, it was like, I'm glad we made the pick. Because we wouldn't have had a guard, another guard mm-hmm. on our mm-hmm. roster. And, you know, so that's how everything got started with me in the big three. That's how everything really pretty much got started with me and my and with coaching because from there, you know, GP, he seen that I, I knew the X's and O's of basketball. I would pretty much give him a little insights while we were on the bench. And he allowed me to sit on the bench with him that year. And we were successful. I mean, we went all the way to the championship. Even though we lost, we still went to the championship. We had a great season. Um, He was like, man, you know, um, I may have this job at – Lincoln University in Oakland that I may that I may get, and if I do get it, I may want you to come along with me and be my assistant coach. Wow! And, and at the time, I was like, yeah, you know, you know, people just you know people talk and everything like that. For sure. But he was actually serious about the whole thing because he had the AD of the school call me, and you know, and I was like, whoa, he was serious, and and that's how my coaching career started with GP at at Lincoln University. So he gave me my first opportunities to, to really just sit down and coach and really be an assistant coach. And, and, you know, here we are. Wow. That's incredible. First off, from the laundry list of clients that you had, that you were training to draft night the first year, didn't even know that there was that much drama. And back then it was like, I think it, you know, it's already hard to get picked into a draft in the big three because there's so many limited spots. But back then, I mean, it was like super limited in, in the amount of spots. Oh right! I mean, there. I mean, there. Yeah, there were some great players back then. I mean, we had like Steve Francis and Richie yeah. Norris, and you had, you know, you had the, the Smush Parkers, and 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 it was just so. It was, you know, it was just the league was just starting, so it was a lot of it was a lot of good names in that draft. Yeah, and a lot of those guys didn't get picked, which is is the crazy part. And so, for you know, from that night, and then obviously too to your coaching career, you know, just being able to not only, I mean, from the very get go, you're showcasing the value that you're bringing to a team obviously suggesting Mahmoud um, and then backing it up with the reasons why he'd be a good fit. And I think that showcased throughout the season, especially in the championship game, when, you know, he pretty much brought you guys to, you know, as close as possible to a championship that three-headed monsters have probably seen. So pretty, pretty incredible stuff there. And so I guess for you, when did you, I guess, get asserted into the assistant coaching role for three-headed monsters? Well, you know, they they technically don't have an assistant coaching title at the Big Three, sure. But it was something that it was something that GP he was, like, he was like, man, I want you, you know, here with me every year, and we're gonna, you know, and um, and that's what we did, and you know, all the success that we had, you know, we had good players, but we also had him as our coach, which surprised a lot of us that he was that involved and he was that, you know, he was that thorough with his coaching, mm-hmm. like he would literally. So we all know, like, at the practices for the big three, they're like 30, 40 minutes maybe, yeah. you know, give, it, give or take. So in every city that we went to after year one, GP would literally call me that week and say, I need you to find us a gym in that city because I want to have like an hour and a half practice. Wow. And so, so we would get, no matter where the city was, I found the gym. We would Uber over to practice. We would stay in there and practice for like an hour, hour and a half. And sometimes when we didn't have six players because a player's playing and make it in, I would have to get on the court and be the, and be the sixth player, and we would play three on three. And GP mm. had plays. He had schemes that he wanted to do. He had stuff that he seen the week before that, that the team we were playing that week was doing that he wanted to, uh, he wanted to kind of 
go against. So um, when we did all that, man, and like I said, we were the only team up until last year that made the playoffs every year, the big three. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And two, I feel like in a way you and GP have kind of revolutionized the coaching role in the big three. I mean, we've seen, we've seen over the past couple of years, like other teams adopt, you know, this assistant coach role, you know, we've seen uh, tri-state with Steve Mix. We've seen right. uh, Rick Barry do it with ball hops. And in a way we've also seen the importance of it when those guys can't make it necessarily to certain weeks or to the extent of Steve Mix does, I think a lot of the X and O's is like, and he sees a right. lot of other things from a perspective thing that maybe Dr. J doesn't. Can you just talk right. about like your, your game day role as an assistant coach and really, at least for you, like what, what's, the main thing that you're looking into and, and seeing and trying to like report back to, you know, GP and now Reggie P is at that with three headed monsters. So what I would do is I would, I was always sitting there watching every single game. I just mm -hmm. wouldn't be there for the three headed monsters games. I would watch every single big three game up until last year. And so by doing that, I got a chance to look at the, uh, like the do's and don'ts of, uh, of the team. Uh, I got a chance to see the weaknesses of other teams. Like I would just sit there and sometimes I would put stuff in my phone. So when, so, so the following week when we play that team, I would go in the locker room and, you know, players like Rashard Lewis, Reggie Evans, Mahmoud, Murphy, they would actually listen to me. They trusted what I had to say as far as what's going on because they knew I was not only flying to the cities, you know, on, on my, myself, but I was staying for every single game. And, and then, and then, everything I told them end up happening in the game. And so we ran with it, man. And, and, and even, even going into the, the combine with the drafting, you know, Rashard Lewis actually trusted me to the point where he, he would call me that day. I wouldn't hear from him maybe the whole off season, but come that week of the big three draft, I get a text message from him. Hey, are you ready? You look at the draft board. Have you been looking at these players? Have you, are the players in shape that you're looking at? I want you to give me, three or four players that you think will be a good fit for the three-headed monsters. And Rashard's done that ever since 2018. Wow. So your role's almost expanded and evolved to like, not just an assistant coach, but an assistant GM in some ways as well. Uh, yeah. It's, yeah, it's just a little that, bit and, of everything. And, you know, it, yeah, it surprised me. And it surprised me a lot because we're talking about a player who played maybe 15 plus years in the league and didn't know me from, you know, he didn't know me at all, but he trusts me enough after season one to say, Hey, let me get with him because he's been paying attention to what's going on. He's in the gym with these guys. He knows who's in shape, who's not in shape. He knows who's to be a good fit for our team. And then when we get the player on our team, he goes, hey, you know, we have a successful season. Yeah, and you guys have had multiple successful seasons. And for yourself, if I'm not mistaken, you're the only coach, you know, to have an undefeated record. You know, you got a chance to be an interim coach. Beat Bid right. I think it was 2022, correct? Well, I did it three times, actually. Oh, three times. Three times, okay. so. Three times, yeah, three times. I'm uh, three and zero. Three and zero as, as right. a coach. Yeah, so it's like, you know, it's it's funny at the same time, but it's like, you know, we <laughs> joke about it sometimes, all the time. You know, we joke about it, but hey, hey, it's it's like you said, like you you coming in weren't expecting any of this, and to like to be able to like no. be elevated all the way to the point where people trust you enough to like lead a team. I mean, can you just talk about those roles, just being even in the interim role, and how much you feel like you've learned? Uh, from well, the like first time, first the first the the first time I did it, um, you know, I was actually nervous because I, <laughs> I was nervous, but I wasn't nervous because GP at least gave me a heads up. Hey, I, I don't think I'd be at this game, mm -hmm. you know. And I'm like, and then what I did was I just kind of remembered everything that he would do if he was at the game, you know, as far as the timeouts, 
as far as the referee, what he would see talking, uh, challenging a call, um, starting lineups, uh, what he would do at practice with the team. So I kind of just mimicked everything that GP was doing with us. And, and that's how I got through that first game doing it. It helped me out a lot. Just remembering a lot of things that he would do, he would do. And I would just try to mimic everything he would do. Yeah. And even, and even more so today, I feel like that's such a strategic, there's so much strategy that goes into like, you know, coaching in the big three, especially with the bring the fire rule and just being able to utilize those in certain ways. Exactly. Cause you have to know the rules with the bring the fire. You have to know the rules with the players filing out and the players, like for instance, I would always be in GP's ear about a player on the opposite team that has like, if he gets one more foul, he's out the game for the first half. Yeah. You know, and then, and then we would attack that player. And, and, and that player's either going to commit a foul or he's going to back off and that's an easy bucket. Yeah, 100%. So that's some of the things I would always be in his, I would always be in his ear about. Um, I would always be in his ear about our timeouts and, and the challenge rules and stuff like that and, 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 and just, different, diff, just different stuff. Yeah, I'm, I'm curious because uh, you're referring a lot to GP, obviously, because he spent the first five years, you know, coaching alongside GP. But our, I guess it's just a pat. I guess it was five years, and then the past two years you've coached alongside Reggie Theus. I guess what's right. been, what's been the biggest differences? I might have that wrong. It might be four and two, but what's been the di- biggest differences with you know coaching alongside GP and then coaching alongside Reggie Theus, who you know is one of the few coaches to be a head coach in the NBA and also coaching in the Big Three. Well, with GP, we, we all know he he likes to talk, and, he, and he's not a, he's not afraid he's not afraid of confrontation. So he would mm-hmm. actually. If it was a player on our team or the opposite team that was doing something wrong, he would tell you. Mm-hmm. With Reggie, he's more, he takes a more of a relaxed um, uh, approach to everything. So he'll get with me first. And say, hey, you know, can you go let this guy know? Hey, we're gonna kind of calm down with this. Let's do this. Let's do that, and let's see how this works. Um, Reggie's more more laid back when it comes to coaching. GP's more of aggressive. Um, but. Reggie, they're both similar to the X's and O's as far as in practice. They want they they have a game plan that they want to go through, and they want you to go through the game plan, and they want to see how the game plan works in the game. So if that if that you know answers the question with that, yeah, for sure, and it, it makes sense too, right? Like you obviously see that on the court, but I um I was curious about like kind of like a behind the scenes look in the sense that it sounds like from what you've been talking about in GP, and then just what we know about Reggie Theus is that they, you know, they're both very well prepared coaches. Like there's oh, a lot yeah. that go through within the practice and, you know, right. GP taking the extra time too, you know, makes a lot of sense into why you guys were able to win, you know, so often, right. make, make the playoffs every year. I mean, that it's crazy to think that as long as the league has lasted there, you guys were the only team who had made, who had made the playoffs every single season. And this was the first year you didn't. Um, yeah, like I said, like I said earlier, it kind of surprised the shit out of me because <laughs> I actually, I actually, no, I got, actually got a chance to spend a night with GP one night in Los Angeles, and he's in the living room with his tablet, watching our big three game, but also watching the NBA game on a big on a big screen television in the living room. He's watching both of them and just like he's like, you see this, you see this, you see this. I'm like, dang. Like, dang, dude, like, you, you really watch? He's like, I watch it every week. And I'm like, okay, when I started saying that from him, I was like, okay, this this is serious. You know, this is, we have to, you know, we're, he's trying to win this thing for real. And and like I said, we, we went to the playoffs every year up until last year. Yeah. So. And, I, and I feel like, too, like, a lot of people have followed suit. A lot of teams have followed suit. Like, I feel like maybe the 
first couple of years, there was a level of seriousness that, that every team didn't take. And you could kind of say right. that, you know, now we're right. at a point where we're at season, season six going on to season seven and it's, it's competitive as hell. I mean, from your eyes, someone who's been in this thing from year one, not only from a competitive standpoint, but what do you feel like has been the biggest evolution within this league? For me, um, watching, I think it's been the format of how they do it now. They, mm -hmm. you, you, you have to come out of the gate ready to play. If you go down one and three or one and four, you got to scratch to get into the playoffs. Mm -hmm. And so that's one of the things I would also tell our team every year going into game one. Hey, guys, if we go in here and win like at least three or four games from the start, we'll put ourselves in a good position to make the playoffs. And then, uh, and then we will also talk about the point margin. You know, that point margin is something big also that people don't know about. That point margin, man, you can be tied up at four and four, in which we did one year. Yeah. Because our point differential, our point differential was, was better than a team that was also four and four. We got the last place in the playoffs. And so just little things like that, just knowing all that stuff. And then when you go into the game, you let the players know, hey, we got to win by eight points. If we, win by, if we win by eight points or more, we're in the playoffs. Them knowing that stuff, they'll play hard, they'll play harder, and it just gives them, you know, it gives them added motivation. Yeah, for sure. Like every game is, um, is pretty much a playoff game. Yeah, but you know, to, I, I'm, I, I don't want to say, I don't want to sound like I didn't think it happened, but I'm surprised that the league is still selling out arenas like it's doing after like you know year seven. Mm -hmm. Like, and and we're talking about NBA venues. Yeah. We're not talking about high school games, high school arenas. We're talking about NBA venues. Like they came to Atlanta with the championship last year. It was crazy. I was and there. It, and, yeah, it was crazy. Yeah, and it, and it was crazy. You know, you go to Brooklyn every year for the playoffs. They were the championship, and it sold out. Mm -hmm. You know, um, Tampa in the playoffs. It was it was crazy. Sold out almost. You know, it's just Dallas sold out almost. Like everywhere we go, the fans still show up, regardless of who's on the roster, regardless of who's retired. They still come out. They still support the league, and that's one of the things I'm kind of surprised about. What What makes you surprised about it? Just I guess from your eyes. Be I guess because you know, when we we all know when we first started the league, we had the big names, and then we had the Jermaine O'Neal's, the mm -hmm. Chauncey Billups, the Bonzi Wells, the Mike Mike Bibby's, um, you know, and all them guys. You know, kind of they retired and, and they moved on to go do other things, and then we had some. And then we we brought the league down, the age down, and everything like that, to come into the league. And so you don't have necessarily the big names, but you have great basketball. And because the big names are not there anymore, like they used to be, we still have some big names. Don't get me wrong, but the fans are still showing up because they love they love to see great basketball. And that's one of the things that surprised me a lot. Because, for instance, perfect example, Kevin Murphy. Mm -hmm. Murphy never made an NBA roster, but he's here. He won the co-MVP. I mean, I'm sorry. He won the co-rookie of the year yeah. with Jared Jack. And then the next year, he backed that up and got the MVP. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, people man, went home and said, hey, let me YouTube this guy named Kevin Murphy to see who he is. Oh, man, he never did play on the NBA roster, but he's he's out here averaging 26 a game. He's, he's killing. You know, um, same thing um, last year with Brandon Moss. No one Killer. knew who Brandon Moss was. They, you know, when I when I told Rashard that I got somebody, he was like, "Who you got?" I said, "Brandon Moss." I said, who was that? Who was that? 
So trust me, man, he's he's good. We'll be straight. He can score. You know, Brandon Moss, he he's, you know, now look at him, you know. So it just surprises me that we're still able to sell out. They're still doing their thing. The league is growing and and the fans are still showing up. Yeah. I think the league does a really good job too of trying to evolve past like normal expectations. You know, like there's obviously other startup leagues with within different sports. And I feel like sometimes they feel like they have to go toward to certain places to, to get certain players. Right. But I feel like the league has done a good job, you know, like bringing in Deuce on a guy who's claimed to be the number one best three on three player in the world, expanding a little internationally, right. you know, like for you, you know, bringing in, bringing in Brandon, going to get Hezzy God, you know, guys that are like, uh, you know, quote unquote, social media stars or street ballers or whatever, exactly. you know, just expanding the league in other ways and just like giving them a shot. If they don't work out, exactly. you guys as coaches and GMs will obviously make the move you have to. But with Brandon, exactly. I, mean, I mean, Brandon's a great example of someone that if he played all year, there's a good chance he would have been in London playing in the All-Star game. Exactly. He, he, I, I think he would have. Um, you know, we brought him in. I think we had like maybe four games left or three games left. And, you know, the thing that surprised me the most about Brandon, and I, I hope he doesn't get mad at me for saying this, Um. You know, after our first game with after his first game with us, we lost. Mm-hmm. We're going down. The, we're going down the hallway. They're all in the locker room already. Reggie Thies is outside the locker room. He goes, "CJ, hey, you need to go talk to your, your guy in there. He's in there crying." I'm like, "What?" He goes, "Yeah, he's in there crying, real tears, man. He's crying." So I go in and I say, "Brandon, what happened? What's going on?" He's like, "Man, CJ, I, I just don't like losing. I don't like losing." And I was like, "Wow." I'm like, wow, this is big three. You know, we got a guy here who just came off the streets to come play with us. And he's in here. He's taking it like the heart. He's crying. Like he was really, literally crying. And so when you have guys like that to come into the league, I mean, it's just, I can't wait to this year right here. I can't wait for this year to start up next year. I'm, I'm sorry. And to yeah. see what he does next year with a full season. Yeah. And I'm, I'm really, I think we've seen, we've seen that from kind of everybody in the league. Like, like, for instance, I look at someone like Mike Beasley, right? He came into the league. Uh, like, I mean, his demeanor is different from everybody else's. But he came into the league, and it looked like he was just kind of looking like, I'm here, you know, I might run into it. It was just kind right. of body language that you were reading a little bit, right? You come into the first half of that game, he drops 20 points or whatever. He's like, I'm here, this is easy. Uh, you know, I'm going to dominate this league. <laughs> you know, the second <laughs> half, like, GP's the coach of Bivouac, and he's like, we got to body him a little bit. Let's let's welcome him to the league. Like, he needs to be welcomed. And, like, everything changes. And now you think about it, like, a couple years into his big three tenure, like, you know, he, he's – the strategy has changed. He doesn't necessarily feel like he needs the ball anymore. Like, he really cares, you know, like you – see him arguing and screaming at his teammates just to make sure right. that everybody's on the same page and getting better and so they can win. You know, they're a team that hasn't made the playoffs since Beasley's there. I mean, I just feel like there's a level of care from everybody. Like, this league is, you know, to your point, surprise, you know, maybe even surprisingly to some people, this league going to make it for a long time, I think. it's And it's because right. not only the community cares, but the players care as well. Right. And I, I hope it does. Um, like I said, I don't know if, if anybody expected it to go this long, but it has. And, and we'll see how it goes, you know. Um, yeah. You know, they keep they keep, they keep, keep getting players in here. They keep getting fresh faces in here and, and stuff like that. And and everything turns out successful. Yeah. We'll see if y'all have a, you know, chance to keep Brandon or if someone drafts him early. I don't know. 
what it'll be, you know, but you definitely put him on notice and uh, I think there's a good shot. He could go early. Um, and now, hey, yeah, you, you got, you got Jordan Crawford as a, as a captain too. And he's been on this show and mentioned a couple of people that he wants to bring in. So we'll see who we right. get next year. Yeah. It's going to be exciting to see who, who the new faces that come in. It's going to be exciting to see the draft board. And then I guess what, what direction we take as a team, you know, cause we got a chance to, you know, smell how it feels not to make the playoffs. And I don't think that ever happened to a three of the monsters again. I think we'll be back there. You know, and I think, I think one of these years we will win a championship. We should have had two, you know, but you know, things happen and you just got to move on and live and, 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 and learn from them. Yeah. It was an unusual smell for you guys. I'm sure you're probably smelling that like, Oh, this some never had yeah. this smell before, but <laughs> yeah, we talked about it a lot in the locker room, me and Rashard and, and, and Reggie Evans, we talked about it our last game together, you know, last this year. And, you know, we had, if that was, the, you know, the last game that we were all going to beat, that we had a good run. But I asked him, I was like, man, you know, do you guys, what are you guys thinking? And, and, and Rashard was pretty much on the on the cuffs of let me see how my body, you know, let me see how my body reacts to everything and we'll we'll figure it out from there. But I think if we come back, I think we'll make another run. I have no doubt in my mind that we'll make a run at the playoffs and the championship again. Yeah, I can't ever – I don't think anybody can ever count you guys out. I also can't see Richard retiring it, you know, until he wins that chip and then rides off into the sunset. So. And me, me too. I'm, <laughs> I'm, I feel the same way, man. Um, you know, I'm not going to bother him or bother him or anything like that. You know, when it gets closer to, like, maybe the combine and stuff like that, I'll probably reach out to him and give him a call and stuff like that. We interact with each other on social media, um, on Instagram sometimes with each other's messages and stuff like that. But that's pretty much it. Um, you know, I talked to a, I talked to Reggie Evans, and just to see where his mind is at and stuff like that and what he's doing. I talked to Murphy. He's actually over in the Middle East playing basketball right now. So we speak through social media also, to, you know, just to see how everything's going for, for this next year coming up. Yeah, I'm sure you're lurking a little bit just at different guys who could potentially, you know, be a good fit for the big three. So I'm sure you got a little bit of, uh, you know, unconscious recruiting that you might be doing as you're kind of messaging those guys as well. Yeah, yeah, I do. <laughs> I, I definitely do, man. You know, that's – I definitely do. And, um, you know, we're going to take a look at everything. And if we do like we always done in the past, I'm pretty sure I'll be getting a phone call from Richard saying, hey, you know, what you see, what you like, anybody's – new in the, in the draft that you want to go after and look at and, and we'll get together and, and make it work like we've always done in the past. Yeah. A couple of things I want to touch on uh, real quickly that yeah. you mentioned. One, one, you were talking about bringing in Brandon and we've been talking about, you know, the next cream of the crop in a sense. You've recruited a lot of guys, the three-headed monsters. Yes. I feel like that don't necessarily are on everybody's radars coming into the season but end up being great fits and sometimes reasons that you guys are making it to the, you know, the playoffs time and time again, what's right. been your most unique or maybe your favorite recruiting story uh, of someone that you brought into the big three and three of the monsters. Jamario moon. Jamario moon. I remember you mentioned that. I want to say, yeah, year two, Jamario moon year two. Um, so he would come, he lives about maybe 45 miles from us here in Atlanta. He lives up in the, in the Gwinnett area, Beaut for the Georgia area. So, you know, if you're familiar with that, you know how far it is from where I live at right oh, now. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But he he would drive down three days a week down to the gym that we that we worked out at, which was in Riverdale, Georgia. Okay. And and, and he would work out with Mahmoud 
And so I would see him at least three or four days a week working out with Mark Moore, doing the same drills Mark Moore was doing. And he was basically shot for shot right there with Mark Moore, shooting-wise, you know, during the drills. And I was like, whoa, you know, during the NBA, I never seen that from him. All, all you seen was the dunks and mm-hmm. the, him finishing at the rim. I never seen him shoot like threes and pull up jumpers and whatnot. So I want to say, man, um, Richard had went down with the Achilles injury. Yep. And we uh, we were searching for a player to replace Richard with. But we wanted somebody that can play the perimeter, but would also give us some scoring. And so I reached out to GP. Um, had to be almost like midnight <laughs> Eastern time. And he goes, what's up, man? What you, you know, what you, what you thinking? I was like, man, Jamario Moon. And he goes, Moon? He was like, man, we need some scoring, CJ. And I said, GP, trust me. I've seen him in a gym like the last couple of months. He can score. He just, he can score. He just needs the opportunity. He can actually score the ball. He's, he's doing the same drills as Mahmoud as far as jumpers and mid-ranges and threes. And he's hanging with Mahmoud doing these drills. And GP was like, okay, let me think about it. I'll call you back. And so I didn't think I would get a phone call back from GP. I thought he was just going to brush it off and, and everything. But he, I want to say about two hours later, I got a phone call at like three in the morning, Atlanta <laughs> time. And he, and he's like, he's like, all right, man, I'm going to trust you on this one. So if that's, you want, you want moon. And I was like, yeah, I want moon, moon. I think it'd be a good fit for us. And we get to game one with moon and our team in Miami. And I think he scores 26 points and hit the game winner off the backboard, a three. Mm-hmm. A four. And Yeah, one, maybe it was a four. It was I a think four. Maybe it was mm-hmm. a four. You're right. And so we go into press conference and, you know, and, and they're asking GP, like, GP, where'd you get that pick from? And, you know, he was like, man, you know, we, you know, we, we did our research and we brought him in, you know. And, but that was my funny story because I – I seen him and I was like, man, I didn't know he could shoot like that. And I told Moon, I said, Moon, I didn't know you could shoot like that, man. And that season again, we went on to the playoffs. You know, so it's yeah. like as far as recruiting, that's my best recruiting story that I had. Because that was one of the ones that I was like, man, you know what? You know, that guy deserved to be in the league with somebody. And he's in a league and he actually won a championship, even though it wasn't with us, <laughs> with another team. He yeah. won a championship. Man, I was gonna say too, not only has he won a championship which obviously is the highest pinnacle, but he's been in the playoffs a ton, whether it's with you guys or triplets, you know, whatever team he's playing for at the time. He's been a right. first-round pick in this league, you know, the right. year after. So, unbelievable job. I mean, that's crazy to think, like, you know, you just see him in the gym shooting around, you're like, we might have something here. Like, <laughs> Yeah, we might have something. And we did have something, man, like, I like I actually want him every single year and sometimes it doesn't pan out where another team jumps in front of us and gets him and then you know but as long as he's in the league I'm kind of happy about it yeah for sure because he's like one of them good he's he's one of them good guys that you don't mind that you that you want to see every week you don't mind seeing him every week because he's he's always smiling he's never mad but on the court he's serious you know you know yeah and he can really do a little bit of everything for you the yes the second part I want to talk about is just with you guys. I mean, you guys have been in the playoffs so many times. You've been inches away. You've had leads and championships. I, I gotta, you know, I gotta ask a burning question for me. I mean, like, first off, which year do you feel like you were the closest that you felt like you let it slip away? And then secondly, what why do you feel like it's just for you guys haven't been able to get over that hump, um, despite making it to multiple championships and playoffs, you know, more than any other team? 
Um, as far as which one of the championships, I feel like we should we should have actually won. It hurts the most. I kind of want to say the second one in the Bahamas. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And and the reason being is I don't think anyone expected us to be in a championship that first year. As a matter of fact, I remember after our roster was set, Steven Jackson came over to us and said, man, that old ass team, y'all ain't going to make the playoffs. <laughs> and he said that the first year. And, you know, that's something I'll never forget. But I think the second year, man, in the Bahamas, because that was our second time playing tri- um, trilogy. Mm-hmm. And I felt like, we had a better team. Like I felt like we had an, enough scoring and we had the bruiser with Reggie Evans down low. I felt like with Murphy and Rashard being like the, the middleman, the X-Men, we were going to win. And we had like a 14, 15 point lead in that game. And we just ran out of gas. I think, I think had we had that game over again, we sub more as far as Mark Mood and, and um, Mamadou. Mm-hmm. Even when we're up 14, I think if GP had a chance to do it over again, he would he probably would have taken Murphy and Reggie Evans out the game when we're up 14 and let them get a break. And if the league is down under seven, we put them back in the game and then we win the championship. But I think them playing the whole game, and we're you gotta remember we're we're in the Bahamas for two weeks. So, you know, you know, he got exhausted, tired, everybody's ready to go home. I think that one slipped through our hands. That one hurts the most because I think we were right there. And I think we beat ourselves. Yeah, and it's hard to say, like, GP, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty, obviously. But I felt like, you know, if I'm in GP shoes, I'm thinking the same way, right? Like, here's the, the co-rookie of the year. Here's a former MVP. Here's Reggie Evans, who's been in the league a long time. Like, how do you go away from those guys? But right. I think we've seen over the years the importance of having a whole roster that's playable and being able to utilize right. them in the right situations. Uh you know, whether it's five or six people on your roster. Right. And and, and that's. And I was just going to mention, like, I feel like that's the importance of that has just been recognized over the past, especially I would say over the past, like two or three years in the league where, you know, in these championship games, they're trying to utilize everyone as much as possible um, because they're trying to, especially for their top scorer, make sure they get enough rest and are able to go through that final stretch. Yeah, that that's that's true. Um, and looking back on that, that's one of the things that I, I kind of hate that I didn't that I wasn't more vocal about was hey getting in GP's ear like GP we might want to get these guys in the game while we're up like this double digits and let our main guys get a break real quick because you gotta remember we only had five players at that time. Mm-hmm. It wasn't six players; it was five players. And so, like I said, that's why I say if we had a chance to do it over again, I think I would have said GP, can you call a timeout? Let's get these other guys in the game while we're up like this. And who knows, Mogmoo probably would have caught fire. He could have caught fire and, and got us some more buckets. Mamadou could have blocked some shots that we needed and got some more rebounds, and that would have bought us maybe like five minutes yeah. for Murphy and Reggie Evans or Murphy and Richard to get a break, to come back on the game, to, to take us to the promised land, which was that championship. So definitely that second year, the second time going to the championship kind of it hurts the most because, like I said, I don't think anybody expected it the first year. We were just going through the motions of the league. Mm-hmm. We were – we start. We started winning. We started going on streaks. Next thing I know, we're in the playoffs. Yeah, and and, so. and, and you know, right there too, man. You've, I, I, like, I feel for you guys at Three Headed Monsters because, like, there's a lot. I feel like, especially for Rashard and Reggie, I feel like they're just so deserving of a chip. Like, 
it's their time. I say it every year. It's like, this is the year. Like, it's got to happen. And it just <laughs> right. feels like something's getting in y'all's way or, you know, something, some like supernova moment happens. You know, I, I would even say that year, like Jared Jack, like just, just, you know, he was having a great season. And then, you know, especially in the playoffs, just the second half of that first playoff game that he was in against triplets, like just when, you know, ballistic, you know, the year after that, you have Glenn Rush Jr. who has an incredible second half, you know, to stop you guys from going to the championship game. So it's just like, you know, things that are hard to control and these guys are getting hot. Exactly. Exactly. And, you know, it happens. I mean, we – but the, I guess the best thing about that is we've always been on the positive side of all of it most of the time. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the times that we've not on the positive side of it, you have to take it for what it's worth and come back stronger the next the next year. For sure. So heading into season seven, I know it's still pretty early in the off season. Um, you know, guys still digressing and, and doing what they have to do going through the holidays. But heading into season seven, I feel like there's a lot of hype. Maybe maybe more hype than I'm used to. Just coming off like a really successful season. There's no gap year coming up, right? A lot a lot of uh, right. excitement from um, you know, the various amounts of or the various types of players coming into this league and just showcasing themselves. For you, I'm, I'm curious, and I ask this to like everybody in the league, but is there anybody that hasn't played in the big three yet that you would you would love to see personally that you feel like realistically you could see next year playing in the big three? Uh, I have a couple of guys that I re- realistically oh, okay. would love to see play. Okay. Um, Monte Ellis. Oh, yes. Mm-hmm. Um, OJ Mayo. Yes. Um, gosh. Lance Stevenson Inc- would be incredible. <laughs> Brent, Brandon Jennings. Yep. Um. So those names right there, I would I would just love to see them coming to the league. I would love to see how they how they are they able to handle themselves on a three on three situation with that with that court like it is, you know? Because everyone thinks that court is so small. That's a that's a big court. It's a big court. It's a big half court. It's <laughs> a big half court. And so I would love to see them just do their thing on that court, you know, so. Yeah, that's funny that you mentioned all those names. I feel like you were just reading off my notes app right there. I always write guys down in my notes, like, <laughs> who would be, who could be a potential good candidate. And I try to follow them for a long time to see if, you know, anybody thinks the same way. So that's that's really interesting. Someone else I'd love to see um, that I haven't, I don't think I've mentioned on, on a show yet, but someone else I'd love to see is, like, Tyreek Evans. But, like, you're mentioning, like, just guys that you feel like their playing careers are, um, you, you wonder why they weren't in the NBA longer, I guess is the way I'm trying to word it. Right. And you feel like it was right. short a little bit. So, yeah, that would be incredible to see, like, someone like Lance in there, though. You know, someone who's trying to vet back to an NBA opportunity and potentially could in the big three. Right. For sure. Yes, most definitely. Last thing I want to ask you here, and really this is just kind of away from the basketball court, but there's a lot of people who enjoy the big three obviously for the, a lot of things that you can do on the court and the connections you can make, but there's a feels like most of the people enjoy the big three for their, the time and the brotherhood off the court. I would say, what, what do you feel like are your favorite moments off the court when you guys <laughs> aren't playing, um, you know, in games and traveling every weekend? Oh man. So I, I'm a, I'm an avid golfer. I, I, you know, during the summertime, I play about three or four days a week. Um, so I literally I go down to San Antonio and I go hang out with Iceman and and I go play golf with him Man. down there. Um, Doctor J lives here in Atlanta area, so we're always getting together, 
during the summertime, off season, you know, not big three time. Even after the season, me and Dr. J get together, we play golf. Uh, Janeiro Pargo, when he's not, he's an assistant coach with the Indiana Pacers. When he's not coaching, you know, I either, I fly up to Indiana or we'll meet somewhere in Vegas, play golf. Uh, Jason Richardson, um, same thing, golf with him. Um, so we all still communicate, talk to each other on a monthly basis. Um, me and Jason Richardson, we may talk about three or four times a month. Me and Janeiro probably talk every week. Uh, Iceman probably every other week. We all get together and we talk. And it's mostly golf, a little bit of basketball, but we get together, either whether it's in tournaments, golf tournaments, and we all see each other and we'll play. But for the most part, I'll, you know, I'll go down to San Antonio with Ice, hang out here with Dr. J, go to Indiana with Janeiro, go hang out with Jason Richardson when he was in, living in Vegas out there and play some golf with them. And, you know, so that's one of my – that's one of the things I, I love about the big three that we all still get together um, and do other stuff besides the basketball stuff. And, you know, we all hang out, we'll go get something to eat or whatever and just hang out, you know, have, have fun together. Man, that's incredible. I can't imagine that you thought that you would be, you know, like back when you were still training guys with my mood uh, and you were the big three first starting. I can't imagine that you were thinking that you'd be in a place where you'd just be golfing with guys like the Iceman and, <laughs> Exactly. Yeah, me, me, yeah, me neither. Yeah, me neither. My wife always, my wife always, you know, she gets, she, she, she'll make a statement sometimes. Like, if Isa called me, and 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 she was like, you know, nine years, you know, ago, could you imagine Iceman calls you just and see when you're gonna come down and play golf? And I'm like, nah, you know, I, I couldn't imagine that. You know, but you know, and she was like, that's that's incredible. And I was like, yeah, it is. Yeah. So it really is. Yeah. Man, well, CJ, I really appreciate the time. Glad we got to chop it up. I would really love to do this again, like in season or maybe following the draft to continue to get your insight and knowledge from someone who's been in this league for a long time and has seen it from the ground up. But yeah, let's do it. Let's do it, man. I'm I'm with you. Whenever you, whenever you set it up, I'll, I'll be there to do it with you. Yeah, we got to do that. Um, I think that would be really interesting to talk more on the like the the roster construction, maybe a little bit of the X and O's aside if I can keep up. But I really appreciate your time. Um, hope you have a happy holidays and looking forward to next year. Hopefully it's three at a monster's time. I hope so too, man. You do the same. Thanks for having me on the show. I really appreciate it. Yes, sir. Well, that was our interview with three headed monsters, assistant coach CJ Ashford. Just want to say a big shout out and a big thank you to CJ for one being flexible. You know, we had scheduled this a couple of times. We had talked about this for a long time. So just for him to, come on when he did i want to say a big thank you to you really enjoyed the conversation from someone who's been a part of the league for a very long time since the beginning um and just to hear his insight and story on how he's gotten to where he is today so big thank you to cj and best of luck three-headed monsters i feel like whether you're a three-headed monsters fan or not there's a part of you if you're a part of this big three community that's always rooting for those guys because of how close they've been to winning it all you know there's very few championships uh in the big three despite you know the amount of years that has existed and how many teams there are there's only been four champions crazy enough there's 12 teams even when there's eight teams think about it it's only half of the league in seven years that have won a championship and now you know even in 2019 when they expanded to four more teams and as they continue to talk about future expansions there's only been four teams that have won it you know a third of the league has only won it because of obviously triplets or I'm sorry, trilogies reign, but 
again, big thank you to CJ. Um, we'll see what Three Eyed Monsters can do next year. And a big thank you to everyone who tuned in to the sh- into the show today. Appreciate you guys continuing to rock with me. I know it's been a slow off season. If you're new to the Big Three, that's typically how it goes right after the season. You know, the months of October, November, December, really slow. And then once January hits, we might get some big news or you start to see some people a little bit more engaged on the recruiting side and talk about who they might bring in. So we'll see if things ramp up here. But appreciate you guys rocking with me. Hopefully I can bring you some more interviews here soon before 2024. Again, make sure you're following the show at 4th Man Pod, 4th Man Pod on all social media platforms. Hit the notification bell and the subscribe button on YouTube so you know when episodes drop. And if you prefer the visual versions of podcasts, you can do so as well on the YouTube side of things. Also, other content on there that I might not necessarily post on my other social media platforms. So make sure you're tuned out for that. And again, just want to give a big shout out to Believe for giving us the space and the opportunity, uh, the platform to talk about the big three. You know, each and every episode, it's much appreciated. And we appreciate uh, you guys on the production side for making it all happen. So hope everyone has a good rest of their week, weekend, day, night, whenever they might be listening to this. And we'll see you guys next time. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.